0: What? Back to the world. Hey there, guys. This is the Man Scout, Jake Manning. You're listening to 10 Bell Pod, and I can't thank you guys enough for subscribing and listening and download, but I also can't thank you guys enough for those of you who are smart enough to take us up on our Patreon. Guys, get on our Patreon. We got some wonderful people over there that have already taken advantage of our wonderful tiers that we have over there. If you're listening to this like, hey, I didn't realize you guys had a Patreon, I would totally jump on your Patreon page and become a patron of this podcast. You guys are awesome. You're great. We love what we're listening to, and we love the fantastic tears that you have. There's all kinds of wonderful gifts from highspots.com, personal gifts from me, myself, to you. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out 10 Bell Pod on Patreon.
1: So a good man is hard to find, but a hard man is good to find. And I'm a good hard man, ravishing Rick Rude. So the ladies can get warm for my ravishing form. Jake and Damien couldn't beat me in a three-legged
2: race. It's about his dick. (laughs) He did a lot of he did a lot of rhyming. He's like Muhammad Ali, but with dick jokes.
0: Yeah, and like loved alliteration, ravishing, Rick yeah. rude. Yeah, that that that's strong right there. Um, loved airbrush. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, but but I feel like you know Vince McMahon would tell him to do it again if it got a little too sexy. I think at WCW. Oh, gloves are off. I feel like like, "Nah, be, be as sexual as you want.
1: Talk about your dick being rigid."
0: Yeah. If <laughs> that's a, that. if your dick is on your mind, Rick, <laughs> speak on it. Speak on it. Speak to those good people.
1: And got Medusa. I, ju- I don't mean to crap on someone, but could there be a valet with less personality? You shut your mouth, Medusa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: shut your she mouth.
1: She didn't like make a a, a look or a, anything. She was oh, like, she
0: made a look. She made it to me. I that's why you were twelve years old. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I was moved. <laughs> I, I was I was a hard
2: man to find.
1: <laughs> so, Nick open the podcast. Uh,
2: Welcome to 10 Del Pod, <laughs> where we discuss the life and death of professional wrestlers. We're live in the Manning Cave. I'm Nick Alexander. I'm here with Come on. Michael Loving. Woo! We are here with actual professional wrestler The Masked Jake, Jake Manning. Oh, he did it. He stole oh, it trophy. Yeah. I I took, I,
0: took, I, took it. I, I saw you have it and then I took I took it away from you. Yeah, you a... thought you thought I was over here with a beard, and then I show up over here with a mustache.
2: Ah, oh, so, foreshadowing.
0: Just to let you know.
2: Looking, shapeshifters is what this episode's going to be about. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening. Uh, I don't know. This is off to the worst start. Or oh, the best. Uh, probably the best. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, like, subscribe, leave us a review. Please leave us a review if you like us. Uh, That just helps us for free. A nice tweet, an Instagram, a Facebook like. We would appreciate it. It helps us compete with all the giant wrestling podcasts out there. All right. So part one of rick rude was all about his wwf stuff he's most famous for that but if you want to see rick rude as the total package in and out of the (laughs) ring rick's early 90s wcw run is i think what makes him one of the all-time greats so rick made his return october 27th 1991 at halloween havoc and this is the infamous Halloween Havoc with the Chamber of Horrors match, which, uh, despite having some of the biggest names in wrestling history, it was a dumpster fire. Oh,
1: uh, and an electric chair, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, someone got electrocuted on camera, so it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that state even had corporal punishment, so <laughs> it's pretty big deal.
2: But even that match wouldn't be as spooky as the WCW Phantom. Eric Bischoff and a very high-pitched Missy Hyatt tried finding the identity of the Phantom, but after Brian Pillman won a tournament for the first ever WCW Light Heavyweight Championship, we'd find out who it was. The best is the announcer at the beginning of the
1: match says, "From parts unknown, and weight unknown." I'm like, oh my God, what is he weigh? Holy fuck! You
0: gotta commit to the
2: bit, all right? You gotta commit. So the phantom lurked to the ring to spooky phantom music before attacking Robbinsdale High alum, the Z-Man Tom Zink. And he uh, pretty much squashes Zink before hitting him with a spooky neckbreaker. Later, Polly Dangerously and Medusa would cut a promo about how they're going to destroy WCW, starting with Sting. And Vince Russo was like, hold my beer. (laughs) The man who was gonna eliminate Sting would be the WCW Phantom. And the Phantom comes out. He pulls off his mask to reveal its... Trick root. It's
1: Rick It's Ravishing Rick Rick. Which, to... uh, when the Phantom first comes out on the Halloween Havoc, when you see that mustache... Of course, it's Ravishing Rick
2: It could have been a Siri. It could have been Tom Selleck. No, yeah, I mean, been... okay, fine. So Rick would be part of the Dangerous Alliance with Medusa, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco, and stunning Steve Austin, who later went on to become a very successful podcaster. Rick's new music is so bad. Uh, every WCW theme from this time period sounds like one of those old cell phone ringtones. Uh, <laughs> kind of sounds like the song you downloaded, but it's like a Casio keyboard version. Oh, poor
1: WCW. <laughs> Don't throw him over the top rope. This is
2: great.
0: <laughs> it's always a natural. <laughs> That's what I call him the natural.
2: <laughs> November 19th and ninety one. Rude would get his shot at Sting's United States Heavyweight Championship. So Sting had been getting mystery boxes from an unknown sender. <laughs> and uh, he'd get his last one at Clash of Champions. So Medusa pops out and gets all flirty with Sting. And I was like, don't do it, Sting. She'll put your heart in the trash can.
0: Oh, I uh, I love this bit because I love how Medusa is being very sexy. And it's working on me. Uh, it's worked on all versions
1: of me. The, the doors to my room are closed.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mom told me, don't close them. They keep it open. I, I closed it to watch this. I even closed it still as a 37-year-old man. I still close the door when I watch this. But I love how she's she's being very sexy, and she's touching Sting or being around Sting. And all Sting can do is just go, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> whoa! Of all... All choices to do when you were
1: sexually aroused. I think that's what Sting does when he has a boner. <laughs> Woo! There's
0: a couple girls I could ask. Um.
2: <laughs> uh, the worst would be having sex with Crow Sting. He's just like deadpanning the whole time. Oh, it's man. Like, it's good. like, am I doing
1: good? <laughs> am, I, am, am I not doing Oh, I, I did good.
0: Or would it be worse to have sex with a uh, musician Sting? Would that be worse? Because uh, all well, that tantric stuff, he could yeah, probably I mean, go for a while. Later, yeah, and, nine and, hours later. Yeah, nine hours later. You'd
2: like, die from exhaustion. Then it's just a fucking chore. Ugh, right? Jesus. Get to the point, buddy. While Sting is distracted, the real sender of these boxes, Lex Luger pops out and attacks Sting's surgically repaired knee, sending him to the hospital, and it was not sexy at all.
1: Heyman pops up and he grabs the contract. And he says, if Sting does not show up to this, then we win the belt. And Sting is at the hospital. Bischoff is commentating. He's like, oh, Sting, if you don't get to the arena in time, that you, you lose the belt. So Sting steals an ambulance <laughs> and races to the arena the whole time. like, if you don't get here in time, Sting doesn't care about him. So Sting commits a felony <laughs> to get back and to defend the belt. Micah
0: for shame <laughs> do you know how long that angle's been done in professional <laughs> wrestling like early 90s wcw is just a recycling of everything that works in the territories <laughs> i and you know you you laugh at that angle
2: it's but, amazing
0: yeah it's it's amazing <laughs> i saw it done on an indie show uh. for nwa birmingham action mike jackson <laughs> Uh, it was a similar situation, got attacked earlier and carted off, and somebody was having a match that he was supposed to be in, and they were running at this very large Masonic Temple. That, it was so large, I think... Um, Masonic Temple? It was a Mason- it was, it, You laugh, Masonic <laughs> Temple, but I think the UFC ran a pay-per-view out of there. Mm. It was so. It's a very large Masonic temple, oh my God. and they had a roll-up doors. and action Mike Jackson <laughs> drove in an old timey ambulance station wagon <laughs> and, and made it to the ring with bandages all over. Oh him, my God. All a I love it. I love it. And, and like I'm telling you, that angle has been done. In Memphis, uh, everywhere, I think it's been done in WWE, even in the Attitude Era. Like the whole getting hurt, carted off to the, the hospital, and the babyface comes back stealing an ambulance. <laughs> ECW, even did it at one point in time. So. With who? I mean, the Sandman.
1: Oh, really? God, and I think it was just like seeing the. I got to see the entire full story of it. It was just, It was.
2: It was breathtaking. So Sting. After committing a felony, he rushes back into the building. Rick meets him mm. halfway up the entrance ramp. They start fighting, and this match is actually under five minutes. They throw every trick in the book to show you that Sting is not losing clean. They work the hell out of his injured knee. Heyman hits Sting with that big 90s brick cell phone, <laughs> which should have shoot and Fade killed him. Yeah. And uh, eventually, Rude rolls up Sting to win his first WCW championship. Give it up to Rude. After winning the belt, he'd defend off all challenges, uh, working house shows with Sting, tagging with his Dangerous Alliance partners, and he'd have a feud with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Watching some of the
1: Sting, Rude stuff, when they would work like the six-man in the tag matches, the heat that they would get for the hot tags for Sting to come in and fight Rude was some of the most just volcanic, crazy stuff I have seen. I mean, the crowd is going ballistic sting
2: is doing it but you know it's just all rude being that dickhead heel rick and ricky the dragon would meet at 1992 super bra with jim ross and jesse ventura on commentary for wcw and piggybacking off what micah said rick has all the heat in the world like he's cutting his pre match promo and you couldn't hear his mic (laughs) wired into you know the soundboard over the crowd just booing the hell out of him It's obviously a really good match. If you like pro wrestling and you haven't seen Rick Rude wrestle Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, you should do it. And as
1: JR said, Rick Rude is about as popular as rapper Ice-T at a policeman's party. (laughs) Wow. Cop killer. Good (laughs) job, JR. Getting topical, JR. I'm surprised you know who
0: Ice-T is. uh,
1: That's what threw me off. It's like, oh, this is when we're doing topical jokes into our shit.
0: Sorry, I was just thinking about Jesse Jesse Ventura coming back. Yeah, and Sting's about as popular as Jerry Lee Lewis at a (laughs) a junior
2: high school dance.
1: (laughs) Who he's related to.
2: (laughs) So Rick wins when the ninja steamboat brought out with him uh, turns on him. uh, If I had a nickel. The, the ninja
0: hits good ninjas are hard to find
2: yeah, it's
1: true man teenage
0: mutant ones even harder to find
1: have you seen like Japan actually put out a listing like be a ninja $45,000 a year it's a real job Chris Farley did it
2: yeah, that was in the United States that's true alright uh, the ninja hits Ricky with again uh, early 90s brick cell phone heavily implying that it was Polly. they'd face off again at WrestleWar War 92 <laughs> It would be a five-star rated War Games match. Yeah. Uh, it would be between Sting Squadron, which is Sting, Barry Wyndham, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Nikita Koloff against the Dangerous Alliance of Steve Austin, Rick Roode, Arn and Bobby Eaton and Larry Zabisco. And no wonder WCW went out of business. As they lower the cage down, they put on like a $10,000 firework show. It was nuts. <laughs> Rude and Steamboat are both second in for their respective teams, both getting huge boos and pops. One point, the top rope of one of the rings comes off the post, a very similar spot to a WarGames match that I saw Jake Manning wrestle, or should I say Jake Mencia?
1: Oh, wow,
2: wow. <laughs> oh, you
0: mean they wow. tied the guy up in the ropes and they made him submit?
1: That's a little bit different than this, Nick. So you're kind of... Listen. Um... Listen. <laughs> Listen. You, you,
0: gonna... you can borrow in professional wrestling. <laughs> you can't steal in stand-up comedy. Like I just told you that people have recycled that ambulance yeah. <laughs> chasing thing.
2: That was my Japanese arm drag after the top of the ring pops off uh larry zabisco hits sting with the metal uh, turnbuckle holder but he ducks hitting beautiful bobby in the shoulder sting then puts him in a standing arm bar and bobby taps can we talk about how shitty that cage was it was all like drooping down at one point, Steve Austin tries to climb up to the turnbuckle, and he can only stand on like the second one because the cage is like I mean, yeah, hitting him would, in the head. It
1: would have been nicer if it had a little bit more room, because that's like when Sid Vicious almost killed Pillman because of the cage and the power bomb spot.
0: Well, uh, I, I would speculate this might be the first War Games cage not built by Klondike Bill. That would be my, that would be my. I guess. I don't know if it was or not, but if I, I was... I like feel dig- they were
2: always kind of low. It was like a cube of chain link fences. I'm just,
0: I'm just saying Klondike Bill wouldn't have made that mistake.
2: Steamboat and Rude would cap off their feud with a non-title Iron Man match at Beach Blast 92. Ricky comes to the ring with his wife and a little Richie Steamboat. It's this little Richie. <laughs> who would eventually beat
0: Jake Manning oh,
2: oh, every shit.
0: single time he wrestled? Because <laughs> Jake Manning knew his role.
1: Wow, how many times do you think you lost to him? There was, oh gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> um, at need- least a dozen. Oh, okay, I, was, I thought you needed more. Uh, I was, I was thinking fingers was, and toes. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that like I'd have enough on one hand, but then I started thinking there was all those other House Show ones, I and know. then the ones before, and like there was a lot of them. And then i always forgot to include some of the tags mm. um so george george south's got me beat though but that's because he was hogging richie's thing but as soon as like george had had his fill of richie then i finally got my hands on him and we never let go
1: it sounds so romantic
2: this match is super good it's a non-title match but steamboat wins it do you know why they would do this big kind of uh, i guess blow off match but not put the belt on the line Steamboat going back at about this time?
0: The WWF? Because he I would go think I think he, he went back
2: around ninety two?
0: Something maybe? like that, maybe. So maybe it's uh, like so we wanna yeah, give they him a just, win.
2: Maybe his contract was ending, they weren't gonna put a belt on him. Put and, a
0: belt on him, but we need to end the feud with the baby fate. I don't know. It's just Ugh. I don't know. And Ricky would have done done it either way. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I don't I don't know.
2: Not long after the Steamboat feud, Rude and Medusa left the dangerous alliance and feuded with Nikita Koloff. Rick would also be part of the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax tournament for the vacant NWA title. I I would go out on a limb and say
1: Masahiro Chono versus Rick Rude might be the best Rick Rude match of his entire career. It is so fucking hot. Thanks in most part because the uh, the crowd is so behind Chono as a babyface. He's so fucking over. It is insane. They want him to win so much. They go like thirty one minutes. The, the near falls are just explosive every single time. They work their ass off. They hit some big, nasty bumps, the big, nasty spots. If you haven't seen Chono versus Rick Rude from New Japan, you got to find it because it is so fucking good.
0: Yeah, and Chono at that time, like, just on fire at that time. And this is, like, pre a lot of his neck problems. yeah like I remember a match where he wrestled uh, Akinji Moto which was a great muda oh, and yeah. it was like a finals I think of maybe like a G1 or something like that but th- when the match ended it was so good that th- the Japanese crowd which is normally kind of silent they were throwing their seat cushions oh, into, <laughs> so it's just like raining into the ring like just they couldn't control their emotions, throwing whatever they had into the I air. I think that won
1: a Wrestling Observer Match of the Year. It's a five-star match or, yeah, I know the match you're talking about. It's fucking, it, it gets the accolades it deserves.
0: Yeah, and it's just a shame that Chono ran into the, all the neck issues that he ran into and kind of impeded upon his work, because, yeah, during this time, he was just un, unbelievable.
2: So, while still U.S. champ, Rick Rude would face Ron Simmons a few times for the World Heavyweight title, losing them all. December 1992, Rude suffered a legit neck injury that would put him out until March of 93 and since he couldn't defend his U.S. championship, he had to forfeit it. He held the belt for 378 days, the second longest reign ever, only to Lex Luger's 523 days. After returning, Rick wanted his belt back from Dustin Rhodes who had won it while he was injured. He also had some proper fucking intro music. It was the (laughs) He's Simply Ravishing, which is clearly they stole the melody from Whitney Houston's How Will I Know. (laughs) The title was eventually held up after a controversial finish on May of 93 episode of WCW Worldwide, where both Rick and Dustin's backs were pinned to the mat. And they both got their arms up at 2, but the refs still counted to 3 anyways, giving Rick the win. After that, WCW would declare the title vacant. So again, at Beach Bash 93, Rick would have a 30-minute Ironman match, this time against Dustin Rhodes for the U.S. title. And it is a much slower-paced match than Ricky and Rick. The match would end with both of them having a pinfall, leaving Again, the U.S. championship without a champion. So they set up a best-of-three series between the two. Rude won the first one August 28th, but Goldust won September 4th and 11th to win the title, and Rick would lose his chance at getting another title shot. So after that, Rick turned his sights to the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and the Nature Boy Rick Flair. Rick had a weekly segment called Flare for the Gold. Oh, God. Which oh, Rick God. had been on a couple of times. One time he showed up, Gosh. Flair, Root, Double A, wearing some Japanese robes, Jeez. eating some sushi, making some <laughs> sexual innuendos. It's on YouTube. Please watch it and just be mortified. <laughs> but on another episode, Rick showed up, and he's kind of snubbed by Fifi, who is Flair's maid. Fifi even slapped Rude after a kiss, making the insulted Rick Rude attack Flair from behind with the big gold belt. In real life, Flair just married Fifi, who is Wendy Barlow, which Uh I wonder how that went. Uh, Wendy, remember when you used to clean up after me and begrudgingly take all my friends and my sexual advances? How would you like to do that for the rest of your life? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I guess I do. So, this all set up a match at Fall Brawl, September 19th, 1993. And they both come out, robes glittering in the lights. Rube takes off his robe to show that he has Fifi on his tights. So, to me, this match didn't live up to what I had it hyped up in my head, I guess. Because it's Rick Flair, and it's Rick Rube. Yeah. I, one's got a C. One's got a K <laughs> on the C. I I had impossible expectations, and it's kind of slow... But, you know, it's still worth watching, I guess. Um, the match ends when Flair has Rude in a figure four. The ref turns his back to deal with Fifi. Rude pulls out brass knuckles, hits Flair, covers him to win the most important belt in wrestling history, the big old belt, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship.
0: I remember when we did the shoot interview with Ric Flair. And we were talking about this period of time. And we asked what his thoughts were on wrestling Rick Rude. And he's like, I didn't like it. He actually didn't particularly like wrestling Rick Rude. But it wasn't anything particular that had anything to do with Rude's ability. Rick took exception to some of the things that Rude did to Fifi in in this match like i think there was even like a situation where he like picked her up on her shoulder and Mm. he didn't like that he put his face like in her crotch and Uh. kind of some inappropriate sexual things and i find it funny that he in the shoot interview that we did with flair he still took exception to it and was still kind of hot about it and then flair ended up marrying fifi several years later after making that comment but i like how that he was like still mad and he was still two ex-wives away <laughs> from getting to that woman being his wife
2: rick has so. a list <laughs> he knows what he's getting to mm-hmm. with that belt comes weird belt thing number two with rick rude so around this time, WCW had withdrew from the NWA, so WCW couldn't use the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. So WCW took the big gold belt and created the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship of the World of all the nations Championship Belt of Champions Belt title.
1: Because international is different from world. Don't ask me to explain
2: it, but it's it's, a, it's true. <laughs> There was a lot of fuckery with the big old belt. In general, Flair took it to WWF at one point, right? WCW had it. NWA said they couldn't use it. They renamed it. They'd eventually unify it with the WCW Championship with Flair beating Sting to unify both titles.
1: But we need to point out that Rick Rude held it three times. He had it the most time. Rick Rude is the
2: Bruno San Martino of the WCW International Heavyweight (laughs) Title Belt. As champion... Rude would fend off Flair again at Halloween Havoc and win a match at Stark K93 against The Boss, Ray Trailer, not Sasha Banks or Bruce Springsteen. Rude held the belt until March of 94 when WCW went on a tour of Japan. Rude lost to Hiroshi Hase on March 16, 1994. But then won the belt back again eight days later in yeah. Kyoto, Japan. I assume this whole thing was like a cross promotion gimmick thing that was never even supposed to get known by the public, really.
0: No, that's kind of way it, back in the day, like they just—it's
2: exciting it, to have a title change.
1: Right? It's,
0: it's funny how like major U.S. companies just were like, "Oh, nobody knows what's going on in Japan. Right. Just do whatever what's what's over there." Like, like when Hulk Hogan said that the WWF title is a tin can or toy belt compared to the IWGP title and nobody thought anything about it. Like, oh, it's just over in Japan. Nobody knows about that. When, like, tape trading is clearly around, newsletters are are clearly around, and that would all get circulated around. But they were just like, yeah, nobody knows what's going on over there. But like major, major companies.
1: Yeah, But I think Rude even won with like a submission, like a reverse full Nelson type thing. I don't even know what you would call it. But yeah, it was like Rick
2: Rude by submission. A month later at 1994 Spring Stampede, Rick Rude would face Sting again. Starts out with Harley Race, challenging the winner on Vader's behalf. And after that, Harley tries to sucker punch Sting, which he ducks, and they do a whole thing. Then Rick and Sting have a really good match. They start out with Rick still in his robe, and he takes one of the highest backdrops I've ever seen in my life. He was like (laughs) 10 feet in the air. Eventually, the ref gets knocked down. Vader and Harley run down. Sting knocks them both out of the ring but it gives Rick a chance to take over. Harley sneaks into the ring to hit Sting with a chair, but Sting ducks, Harley hits Rude, Sting covers him, and Rick loses the championship. Rude would get a rematch May 1st of 94 at Wrestling Totaku in Funaki, Japan. Although Rick would recapture the championship, things ended very badly for him. Rick was standing outside of the ring when Sting dove over the top rope, hitting him with a cross body. When Rick fell, he landed on the raised platform around the ring and the actual arena floor, injuring his C4 and C5 vertebrate, which would effectively end his career at the age of 36. But even after that, right away, he takes another bump from a clothesline to Sting on the entrance ramp. Ugh, he he finishes the match, Ugh. and he hits Sting with a belt and a top rope knee drop to win the title back. And the knee drop is like right on his face. It yeah. is disgusting. I've seen Sting get a lot of hate for being reckless here. Do you know the spot, and what do you think?
0: I don't think it, it's definitely not Sting's fault. It's... The whole issue is Sting's in the air; he's going for the crossbody, and when Rude falls back to catch Sting, problem is the raised platform is... There's a raised platform, and then just right next to... Off the raised platform, it drops down by 6 inches in this yeah. the next area like rude's back is in the right of the middle of that (sighs) that's one of those things where i could tell that they probably called it in the ring or they planned it. like hey maybe at this point then i'll do a dive and that's one of those things that i when i get in a situation like if i know i'm going to do my trust fall the outside this just came up in wrestling revolver not too long ago we were thinking of like maybe we should do the the trust fall the outside and i go let me take a look at the ring. And then I noticed the guardrails were a little too close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like Caleb was telling me, like, oh, you should be fine. I go, no, see, the thing is when I fall, there's a little bit of a movement here in the way that I'm going to fall. My head is going to be a little too close to the guardrail. Mm-hmm. Let's ickshnay that let's spot and let's do this head. in here. Yeah. So sometimes like a nice little walkthrough of what's going to happen. You know, and and old timers make fun of like, what are you going to do, walk through all your spots and stuff like that? And, and everybody always hates on... You know WWE and everybody like going over, rehearsing, rehearsing and thing, going yeah. over. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to safety, you're gonna want that walkthrough. And I got a feeling that neither of these guys went down by the ring and kind of saw that raised platform and how that could play issues with that that spot where he was gonna come off of the crossbody. So you can't you can't put that on on Sting for being reckless. You gotta. But that on both of them for not taking a nice little walk around and being like, hey, let's watch out for this. Or, hey, when you come off the rope, come at it from this angle. Let's come from the corner to here. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming at an angle. So I got a much longer trajectory. Right. It just anytime I do anything that's slightly outside the norm, I need to visualize it, go over it. Uh, analyze it in every single second but that's also probably why i don't have a million gifts of me doing cool stuff because i actually think about where my body's going to be when i land but i, th- I think that's, that's definitely one of those situations right there and it, it just really is an unfortunate thing and it might even be a thing where they thought he was going to come a little short and he went a little long uh, it just
1: have you ever wrestled at a place that had a elevated platform thing like that have you had to deal with anything specifically like oh that?
0: i had the opposite I wrestled at a show at a racetrack and they had a grandstand and because it was like this, like a dirt track and they wanted to keep a little space in case the cars came over. It's on guardrail and stuff like that. So there's like a, so the, 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 the grandstands uh, only go halfway down this hill. And then there's all this area from like the edge of the grandstands down. And then there's like this big like ditch area. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the fence and then there's the guardrail right there. So the car would have to roll uphill halfway because the grandstand is only at like the top half of the hill. Gotcha. And there's like a flat surface. And I was wrestling at a show there where they put, um, this might be, I'm going to try my best to describe this via podcast. So you have this concrete platform that is halfway up the hill. And two of the poles is basically sitting on the top grandstand. And then you have two poles hanging off the grandstand, and they have poles underneath the poles of the wrestling ring that go straight down into the ground at the bottom of this ditch. Uh So basically, about half of the ring is hanging on the edge of a grandstand. (laughs) The other half is just merely suspended in air, where there's about a 10 foot drop, and there's just basically platforms underneath the two hanging over ring poles. Wow,
1: you're you're one of those cool houses that's just hanging on the side of a mountain. Yes, I, that's
0: exactly <laughs> it. And that'd be fine if it was just a regular old wrestling match. I'm in a tag team match. So somebody's corner Bucks. is off to <laughs> a side and and that. So uh, luckily that was thought that was that part was thought out, but what wasn't thought out is uh, I was the on the heel team and we were just going to like grab the tights And, you know, get out of there. Uh Well, when you grab the tights, you you're you are told to immediately get out of the ring. (laughs) I just instinctively rolled out of the ring to the closest corner which so happened to be a side that was hanging off so when I rolled out of the ring I go oh no I have a 10 foot drop so you see me hanging from the side (laughs) of the ring which luckily it was only a 10 foot drop so if I'm hanging out to the side of the ring and then I'm hanging down I've only got to drop down like 6 feet but still 6 feet down a hill uh, luckily it was on the side that was slanted so it wasn't so the ground was catching up with me so it was more like a four foot fall but still when you roll and there's no floor there you're freaking out and there's a drop <laughs> it is scary so that is probably wow. the closest yep. and hope,
2: serves you right for cheating by grabbing the tights <laughs> i haven't
0: i haven't pulled the tights since then so, <laughs> take
2: take that heel uh
1: but
0: yeah i hope I explained that properly enough for everybody who was listening
2: to this podcast all right well even after a career ending injury Rick would wrestle May 14th in an I Quit match with Sting on WCW Worldwide. And this would be the last time Ravishing Rick Rude would ever step in a ring to work a match.
1: And i just like to point out that I Quit match ends by count out. What the fuck? <laughs>
0: you do realize you're watching WCW, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, you... He got it's by countout because Vader's on the like yeah. jumbotron talking to him, and the ref immediately says a count out. I'm like, what the
0: fuck am I watching? It's WCW. No, it's just well, I... why are you trying to
2: put like <laughs> so that whole the Titantron with Vader heckling him was supposed to set up a big match between the two at Slamboree, but I guess after this Rick. Just said he couldn't do it, and he retired from professional wrestling. So WCW covered their bases by saying Rude used a foreign object in Japan, so Steen got his belt back, and he went on to face Vader. Yeah. So after retiring, Root collected on his Lloyds of London insurance policy. Mr. Perfect, Ted DiBiase, Bret Hart, and Animal also collected from a policy like this. How do pro wrestlers get insurance to cover their career? Uh, they it, don't anymore. They don't anymore. Because <laughs> of this
0: situation right there. This is what happens. When wrestlers find out something, they'll ruin it. Yeah. So these wrestlers found out about it, and they ruined it. Lloyds of London, they regretted this decision. And <laughs> that, they insured, like, people's legs. They insured, oh, like, wow, pro wow. football players' arms and, and pro, pro, pro pro pitchers' arms and stuff like that. But insuring wrestlers' bodies, they're like, nope, never again. <laughs> Not at all. And no insurance company will ever touch a professional wrestler. I
2: I imagine this London insurance company being like, the bridge almost put us out of business. Luckily, all our money's tied up in pro wrestlers. (laughs) Nothing's (laughs) going to go wrong. After taking a couple years off, Rick resurfaced in ECW in 1997. Again, showing up in a mask, in a uh, luchador mask, harassing Shane Douglas (laughs) He eventually unmasked and became a color commentator. And Rick was obviously a great commentator, one of the great might workers, one of the great wrestling minds. It was a natural fit for
1: him. He, he got to be Rick Rude, but with a rated R persona, <laughs> where it was all just like, oh whoa, that was pretty racy.
0: Well, let, let's take a step back when he comes like you're you're yeah, you're glazing over the the, fa- the, the mask, mask stuff. Uh, where they, he's
1: talking in the mask. He's talking in the mask. <laughs>
0: there's even times where he's coming out with a simply ravishing robe on. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was on Barely Legal. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He
0: he, came, he They came on Barely Legal. Then also he would come out to house shows with the robe on, with the mask on, and you would basically just come out. Who and, is it? Yeah, and just kiss Francine. <laughs> he would, he'd be wearing the simply ravishing robe, come down to the ring. Mustache. And he, yeah, he would do... Every single time he did it, even at house shows, he did it at the, the Downington Farmers Market, which like maybe drew 400 people at. Like, and was, it's like
1: it's definitely Hooven Tude Guerrero, yeah. But he it's was definitely wearing, La Parca, man. I
0: think he was wearing a, a, a La Planta mask, which I think Planta is silver. I can't, I can't remember, yeah. I think, but uh, but yeah, like they 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 pull that out even at like some <laughs> of the like the random house shows that they have, even show up. And it's just it's funny, you like a guy who wrestled in. Obviously in Japan and New Japan and WCW pay per views and WrestleMania five and WrestleMania six and all these big events and then here he is just walking out in Downington Farmers Market <laughs> with a mask on, wearing a robe that says simply ravishing he and loves he, the business. He and he's just like business.
1: Bet you don't know who this is. And he's
0: just loving every minute of it. And also too, like I, I he not only was he good on commentary, but he also had a large part in he was with Shane Douglas, and he was like his advisor. And he's like, you know, I'm, I can make you the champion that you you want to be. So he kept handpicking his opponents, and then and you know, he kept bringing out guys that would wrestle him. And then you know, eventually Shane would beat him. And then finally he goes, and now your toughest opponent to date, Bam Bam Bigelow, who was already a member of the Triple Threat. That's so it was like right, this yeah. whole big thing, like holy what what's going on and then bam bam won the title and then that set up yeah, I, uh november you know. november to remember uh 97 if i'm not mistaken yep, right. and that was the show that basically kind of helped the kind of the tailspin that that ecw was in in mid 97 like they were really high and barely legal they kind of hit a misstep I yeah hardcore it, heaven hardcore it. heaven was in 97 and then november to remember 97 was a huge bounce back and they set all kinds of records that was
1: that was the first ecw i ever watched ever was the ecw at november
2: to remember 97 it was like holy shit at, yep. the,
0: at the golden dome in the pittsburgh
2: area. oh man it was amazing so. At 1997 ECW Heatwave. Rick announced that he signed a two year contract with ECW. The main event that night was a still cage match between Rob Van Dam, Sabu, Jerry Lawler, facing Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, and a mystery partner who turned out to be none other than the WCW Phantom himself, Rick Rude. Oh, however. We were all swerved, hearts were broken, love doesn't exist, and nothing happens when you die. Because that dastardly Rick Rude stepped into the cage, immediately attacked Tommy Dreamer, and it was all a setup. Rick just couldn't live as a face. As Rude
1: put it, Sandman and Dreamer only offered them, like, some, some beer and some smokes. But Shane Douglas offered him, referencing Francine, some pooch. <laughs> <laughs> some pooch. pooch. I just went, yep. Yeah, pooch.
0: I had to text Mike Johnson about this because I remember this happening and it just seeming odd that this was this was happening, like out of place of what they were kind of telling a story. And I know there was a time where sometimes Paul would book somebody from like FMW, like I think like Anita was supposed to be booked at ECW and then something happened or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or there's somebody was supposed to be there and a flight got canceled. So I, I texted Mike Johnson. I go, Mike was this the original plan for this to just be an angle? like, Or was somebody supposed to be in this match and then something else was supposed to happen? And Mike was like, nope, this was always the plan. This yeah. was always, like, Rude was supposed to be the third person and then turned on them immediately. Yeah. He was like, that's the way it was always supposed to be.
2: So Rick wasn't actually in the match here. He hopped out, he locked the cage door so Lloyds a London can calm the fuck down. To be even more of a hill to ECW fans, Rick would soon leave the company. After leaving ECW, on August 11th, 1997, Shawn Michaels would face Mankind in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Shawn had promised that he had an insurance policy for the match. Towards the end, Rick would come out, hit Mankind with a chair, allowing Shawn to win the match. and. This would be his return to WWF and his debut as one of the original members of DX. Since DX's insurance policy was still collecting on his insurance policy, he would never actually wrestle. Rick would assume a role more as a hill manager. But just months later, November 9th, at the 1997 Survivor Series, Hmm. the Montreal Screwjob Hmm. happened, which Rick was not okay with. Despite working closely with HBK, he was on Team Heart when it came to the screw job. Right after the screw job, that same night, Rick called Eric Bischoff and told him everything was real. And since WWF had signed Rick Rude to a day to day contract, he was able to walk right out of the door, strike up a deal with Bischoff, and go back to WCW rick leaving would lead to one of the weirdest things to ever happen in professional wrestling which is saying a lot it's pretty great so rick rude appeared on both wwf's raw's war and wcw's monday nitro on the same night november (laughs) 17th 1997 hell yeah a mustached rick rude appeared on the opening segment of monday nitro live in cincinnati ohio walking down the ring with Hollywood Hogan as a member of the new world organization of wrestling brother. He called out Vince and Sean for the screw job, which I thought was awesome.
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um,
2: But then he said he wanted Brett to join the NWO and WCW and leave the WWF because it's the Titanic. And anyone in WCW calling something the Titanic is the pot calling the kettle black and then buying a ticket for the actual Titanic. <laughs> so that same night, Rick opened up the Warzone portion of WWF Raw in a full beard in Cornwall, Ontario, Canada, which, fun side note to this uh, episode of Raw, this is the famous Brett Screwed Brett Vince interview. yeah. So Rick introduced DX, and Sean cut a promo on Ken Shamrock. Triple H cut a promo on Sergeant Slaughter, who comes out, and Root kind of helps them attack him. They tell a beaten Sergeant Slaughter to oral sex their ween, and then, <laughs> you know, they, you know attitude hey, um, Normal stuff. But since it's impossible for Rick Root to get from Cincinnati to Ontario and grow a full beard. He not only exposed the Montreal screw job, but that same night he exposed the fact that WWF had been dabbling in black magic using Rick Rude as a time traveler to complete the evil agenda of Vince McMahon, and that's why 2 years later he would be murdered by the Dark Lord himself, oh. Kevin Sullivan. Oh or you can believe Bruce Pritchard's blatant lie that the WWF had been pre-recording episodes of Raw which they advertised as live, likely excuse that would not hold up in court.
0: Well, the commentary was done live, so when the commentator said live from so and so, you're just letting people know where the show is occurring and they are live when they do the commentary.
2: Come on, Nick, <laughs> everyone knows that.
0: Listen, I'll be a Bruce Pritchard
2: apologist, I'm
0: a McClick apologist, I'm a Bruce Pritchard apologist.
2: And a cherry on top of the same ni- Nitro Raw appearance, ECW Hardcore TV would sometimes use footage from months ago. And months ago, Rude was working at ECW, which allowed Rick Rude to become the only wrestler in history to be on ECW, WWF, and WCW in seven days. In WCW, Rude became a member of the NWO, mostly managing Kurt Henning. That would make Rick Rude the first wrestler to be part of DX and NWO. Hmm. So after an epic history-making debut in WCW, they totally took Rude and used him to his full potential. And that's why WCW won the Monday Night Wars and is the powerhouse it is today. Rick would pretty much right away get lost in the mix, although he'd cut some promos, do some hill stuff during matches. And after a very uneventful 1998, Rick officially left WCW in March of 99. Around this time, Rick began training, and he was apparently doing a lot of MMA training. I don't know if he was using that as like a vehicle to get back in shape for pro wrestling, or if he was really considering UFC, but apparently he was looking for a company to buy out his insurance policy so that he could get back and compete again. Whether it's wrestling or MMA, Rick would sadly never get a chance to do either. Rude was found unconscious by his wife April 20th, 1999. They rushed him to the hospital, but when he got there, he had suffered from heart failure, and Rick Rude was just 40 years old. Jesus Christ. Now, there. Is some controversy, some rumors, some lies surrounding Rick's death.
1: AKA Dumb Fuck Honky Tonk Man.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, let's start out with the craziest one. Uh, Honky Tonk Man said, and I know I could stop there Rick was injecting Viagra into his penis, which caused an affection, which led right. to an amputation that he couldn't deal with, so he killed himself.
1: Honky Tonk Man throwing this conspiracy shit on top of it. Just like what? God, fuck.
0: Well, it's also uh, I, I think it was documented that Rick Rude did inject something into his dick at one point in time. Yeah. I, I that that's been discussed before, and he got an infection. But the uh, Johnson was still intact, from yeah, what yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But that was enough to lead a lot of rumors and of course and such. Uh, so much, in fact, that every time that Rick Rude is brought up in a locker room with Ricky Morton. Whether it's like, uh, Rick Rude this, or I remember when Rick Rude that, or there was a show and Rick Rude was on the show, or, hey, remember when you won the belts from that TV thing or whatever, and you didn't really win, and they took the non-title thing? And anytime Rick Rude is brought up in conversation around Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton will always go, hey, boy, do you ever hear how Rick Rude died <laughs> from injecting steroids in his dick? Oh, boy. <laughs> <Like, one more. laughs> <laughs> every single time like clockwork, uh, Ricky Morton would be like, wanna how Rick Root died? By injecting steroids in your
1: <laughs> joke <laughs> There's so many more syllables. Yeah. My main point is the Honky Tonk man's probably an Alex Jones fan.
2: Uh, at WrestleCon Honky Tonk was all shitty to me because his merch table was wobbly and I was like Oh, what, like, do you, what do you want me to do about it, Honky Tonk, man? I'm just trying to sell wrestling God man, I, see
0: where I a little wobble here, right? We came over and wobbling around. You can't be able to see it. You'll be able to focus. i man? So
2: I didn't have enough, like, I don't know, wits about me to be like, fuck you, go tell Michael. I was, like, too, like, oh, God, Honky Tonk's yelling at me. What it's am like,
0: I? He's like, what? fuck you, go steal Virgil's table. <laughs> yeah, he's not, not even supposed to have one right now anyway.
2: <laughs> <laughs> also, in all my Googling, which is, I have a weird search history now, I found articles that said, even if you could find liquid Viagra, and even if it still worked after being altered from its pill form, if you you didn't do the right dose, it would kill you immediately. Cool. So Rick did have some problems down there. Some thought Rick had testicular cancer, but he actually had spermatocil which is kind of like a cyst in your penis. I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Where did you uh, like where did you read this? WebMD which told me I have it and also scurvy. So, the main thing leading to suicide rumors were a empty pill bottle found near Rick at the time of death and an autopsy report that showed he died of an overdose of mixed medication. Now, Rick had a bad history with pills. Just the amount of oxycodone in Rick's system would have killed him. Big pharma. Great. Big pharma is good. Exactly. To compound everything, Rick was on steroids. Also, gamma hydroxybutyrate, <laughs> which was a supplement that a lot of athletes took that helped you sleep and burn fat at the same time. Rick also had a car wreck breaking his ribs 10 days before his death. So add those painkillers to the list knee-jerk reaction from lifelong pal animal and his best friend kurt henning was there is no way he would kill himself i'd say all signs point to an accidental overdose the painkillers the broken ribs yep. the lingering pains from a pro wrestler the recreational alcohol and drugs and steroids it's just you know the human body can only take so much Yep. to end on a more positive note Rick became part of the two thousand seventeen WWE Hall of Fame, and uh, sure, the Hall of Fame is kind of a joke, but it was a gesture and honor more than deserved for Rick Rude.
0: Yeah, but more people like Rick Rude to get in, and over the Makes years, it like it's him. it's gonna. You know, people joke about it like, oh, it's a joke. no. Over time, we're gonna get the right people in there. And it's going to be seen as far less of a joke. And as soon as they find a place that allows them to build a site for for, for free, basically, and no taxes on it whatsoever, you'll <laughs> have an actual
1: physical Hall of Fame. I mean, Vince is going to figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> what he's not, going to game the system.
2: Wouldn't a physical Hall of Fame just be Disney World for wrestling fans? I would go immediately.
1: Yeah,
0: and as soon as they find a place that doesn't charge them taxes and gives them a really good <laughs> deal on land, they will go get
1: that. So uh, That
2: sounds amazing. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat inducted Rick Rude And put him over very hard His wife Michelle, his kids Marissa Rick Jr. accepted on his behalf
1: I think we need to talk about We didn't really step on how tough Rick Rude was
2: Yeah, Apparently backstage legend For just how much of a badass he was
1: I set up a little NCAA tournament here (laughs) Of of tough guys I didn't do like old school Luthez Ed the Strangler uh, Anything like that but I got, I got an eight-person bracket that Jake and Nick are going to work out right now. I'll give you the breakdown, and then we can go through stuff. All right, in the f- opening match, we got Rick Rude versus Harley Race. Second, we got Big Van Vader versus Bart Gunn. I mean, he won Brawl for All, so he needs a spot. Over on the other side, we got Ming versus Stan Hansen. So on the other side, we got uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Bruiser Brody. So in the opening round, all right, you got to pick, Jake, uh, Rick Rude versus Harley Race. Harley Race. Wow. Not even...
0: I know this is Rick Rude's podcast, <laughs> but I'm sorry. Harley, uh, Harley really? Race. Harley?
1: Harley's tough as fuck. That's why I put him there for a reason.
0: So so Rude could job out in the first <laughs> round? Is that why? Like I, I, I
1: really thought... I mean, I knew he was a tough one, but I didn't think you were going to no thought crush him. None whatsoever. Yeah, he snap yeah, called that shit.
0: <laughs> the, trust me. <laughs> fuck.
1: You, you, all right. All right.
0: I mean, I never shook hands with Rick Rude. I've shaken hands with Harley Race and you from recovered. a wheelchair, and I've... <laughs> Would be concerned with what they right. could do in the prime.
1: I mean, this was all tough. uh All right. Vader versus Bart Gunn. A oh, fucking Bart Gunn. All day, Bart every day. God. I was going to say, he's one good
0: punch. He's Vader, Vader's a fucking bully. <laughs> and fucking Bart Gunn's a fucking. So. No, fuck
1: Vader. All right. Uh, other side, we got Ming versus Stan Hansen. Ming. Ming. All right. All right. And then we got Dr. Death versus Brody. Oh, shit. Doctor Death has been injured. Lex Luger steps in to go against Bruiser Brody for number two.
0: Uh with I then I then I would say that's that, loser
1: it's Bruiser
0: uh Luger too. Oh my no, god. No no, it might be Luger because it may end in the same way that they had a cage match in Florida. He just gets out and leaves? He just gets out and leaves and no sells everything that Luger does.
1: Uh weird fun fact when I was doing stupid research for that, Bill Alfonso was the referee for Luger yeah. versus Brody. So. it's like goddamn. So, so, so are, we, are we
0: legit doing Steve Williams? Or are you oh uh, no no no
1: yeah it is Luger versus Brody too.
0: Okay, Luger versus Brody too. Um <laughs> obviously fucking uh Brody. Alright because yeah, yeah, Luger yeah. gave him his best punch and Brody no sword. So <laughs> there you
1: go. So now we got uh Harley Race versus Bart Gunn. Harley Race versus Bart Gun.
0: Still gotta go Harley.
1: Alright. Wow, Harley. Alright. And then we got uh Ming versus Bruiser Brody. That's a good pay-per-view match. Ming. Yeah. Gotta go yeah. Ming. All right. I mean, this is a good matchup. We got Ming versus Harley race.
0: Uh, it gotta go Ming. Oh, I, gotta, all right. All right. Yeah. I gotta I gotta go Ming. And yeah. and I think and you know what if you asked Harley, he would say Ming as well.
2: <laughs> Did we just officially declare Ming, Ming the right. toughest man of all time? Ming for now is the champion. Alright. <laughs> nobody's
0: gonna nobody's gonna dispute that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nobody.
2: Yep. I guess then final thoughts on Ravishing Rick Rude
0: i got a story you know when i asked george george south for stories and you know, i always ask uh, about everybody and you know some stories i've heard multiple times over and one of the stories that i heard multiple times over about rick rude is that he was actually self-conscious about the size of his legs That he would (laughs) stuff his knee pads into his boots so his legs would appear bigger. (laughs) So, like, you know, we talk about him being, like, such a badass and also, like, obviously everything he said breathed a lot of confidence. Obviously, inside of all that was a man that was, was kind of insecure of who he was. And you know people may see that as a weakness i see that more of make that's more of a well-rounded thing of that makes him more human like everybody talks about oh him being a badass and he said this and all these other things but like i think the story about him being insecure of how his legs look humanizes him in a sense he makes him like us he has his own fears that everybody else has where you know everybody else that has seen his career is like oh he's a fucking take no shit type of guy but there's some shit that he took and he was aware of and probably would have liked to have made better and you know just the conversation of what he did with his dick you know <laughs> like like obviously he you know was insecure about other things and was dealing with a lot of other things and and we don't know what was going through his mind in a personal life and the fact that he was married to the same woman for as long as he was and a dedicated family man mm-hmm. I, I think those are the those are the softer sides of him that we don't get to see and nobody discusses especially about rick rude i mean everyone wants to put up a nice gif of him like knocking out a jobber on on wcw saturday night but i i think there's there's probably a softer side to him that's probably forgotten about with him and, and i wish there was more disgust about him being a dad and him being a husband and you know, did he take his kids to Disney World? And was there a fun little story like that? I don't think there's enough of that out there. And, and I think if, if there's anything that I would I would like to know more about Rick Rude, it's not about what did he think about this guy and who did he stretch and who yeah. who did he knock out at a bar. It'd be more like, what type of dad was he? What type of husband was he? What type of friend was he? What, what was that time when you were stranded on the side of the road and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Rick Rude drove – 250 miles in the opposite direction just to help a friend i, th- I th- i'd like to know more about that so and I because i feel like he probably was that type of guy
2: for me i i think rick is personally in my top 10 favorite wrestlers of all time i mean i'm a bit of a spot monkey lover so if you gave rick root a shooting star press i'd be like top three for sure he's just someone who could do it all. He could wrestle. He could talk. He got more heat than anyone. I mean, on a Tuesday, he was getting trash thrown in the ring like he was NWO's third man. You know, he, he's booed so loudly you would think it's Cena beating Punk for the title in Chicago on Colt Cabana's birthday. He got pro wrestling from level one to a thousand and he was like a gift to have. I think it's tragic how his career ended and his life was cut short. And I think if you look at the landscape of pro wrestling and how it changed to like tweeners being all the rage and faces being hills and hills being faces, I think what it meant to be a hill, like an old school pro wrestling hill, I think that died with Rick Rude. He's like the last great hill I guess with that mentality, with that, you know, I'm going to come out, I'm going to insult the crowd, I'm going to be better than you, and I'm going to beat your favorite wrestler. Like, I just don't see a lot of that anymore, and I miss it. I don't know if it's something we'll ever get back, which was just the way wrestling is now. And um, I don't know. I enjoyed them. I love them. It sucks you die. Basically, what I'd be
1: saying now is everything on repeat of what those two said. I guess there's just so many things I didn't get to mention that are worth checking out. The Rude and Hogan promos that are on YouTube are so damn good. Uh, the Hogan promo against Rude, he's almost like Hogan is in his prime, and he is playing it like he is the the crazy heel, and Rude is the face. And Hogan is on so much cocaine, it is unbelievable. He, his eyes bulge out. That's look those up. I can't stress the the Masahira Chono match enough. That thing is fucking fire. That is amazing. Uh, to see the little vulnerability side of Rude, that he w- he was a badass, but he everybody gets their licks. Look up Eric Watts's shoot; it's on YouTube. Uh, Stone Cold has some amazing stories about Rude on the road. Larry Zabisco tells a story like Jake said about being a human. About uh, Rick Rude's sons, there's there's a thunderstorm going during his during his son's birthday party. And the Storm's throwing, like, the bouncy house and all this shit out of the world. And Larry Zbysko just remembers Rick Rude screaming on the phone to the Batman impersonator that's gonna come to his house. He's like, you need to fucking be here! Yelling at Batman. Rude was like, I said it before, but he was one of my earliest wrestlers that really made an impact on me with the Ultimate Warrior feud. And just his whole persona and everything about him will be forever stuck in my little eight-year-old head.
2: All right, that is Tim Bell Pod on Rick Rude. If you like what we do, please donate to our Patreon. If you want to follow us on the hellish landscape that is social media, we're at Ten Bell Pod on all the things, Timbellpot.com Shout out to Six Squirrel Studios for all your podcasting needs. I am Nico Lessa on all the social medias. Micah is Jay Trotter twenty seven on Twitter. Jake is Man Scout Manning on all the social medias. Now hit my music.